We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to BuzzBeat Radio, your premier Charlotte Hornets show. I'm going to redirect real quickly here. Let's just touch on some newsy things. I just want to say real quickly, Steve Clifford, family, friends, anybody connected with Steve, the whole team, uh, BuzzBeat is thinking about you. You know, we're praying about you. We're not sure what Steve Clifford's going through, but it, it doesn't seem to be your garden variety flu. He's going through some health issues, um, and we wish Coach the best uh, on his return. It, it just everything surrounding his team right now is kind of hard to believe, but best wishes to uh, Coach Steve Clifford and his family. Zeller, torn meal meniscus. Guys, it sounds like the team is trying to decide whether or not they want to do surgery. I don't know if surgery is a better option than just you know, letting that heal, I would imagine a lot of it has to do with, you know, how significant that tear is with the meniscus. Uh, it's in his left knee. You saw it in the Golden State game the other night. He hurts it going after, I think it was it a defensive play. I think he was going after a block. I might be wrong on that, but he hurts it. He's limping up the court. Hubie Brown on the call is literally making fun of him. Yeah. And then, and then as he's limping back up the court, it wasn't on a defensive play. It was an offense play. Cause he didn't get back defensively. Then the morning get, get a breakout and then he gets a transition dunk. So Hubie Brown, you're wrong on a lot that night. Number one, you're wrong. Uh, he was not faking it. Cody Zeller plays too hard. He didn't fake stuff. And number two, we don't need more Dwight Howard post-ups. So <laughs> I, had to, I had to mute Hubie Brown. I, I mean, he was like straight out of 1970 yeah. uh, in that call. I, I, I couldn't take it. You got to feed the big fella. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know, dude. Like, you, you, George Mikan doesn't rule the streets anymore here. Oh, that's two, <laughs> two Mikan references on this podcast, by the way, now today. So way to go, team. Keeping up with the, with the current times here with the uh, the George Mike and references. <laughs> Unbelievable. Had to mute Hubie. Uh, just couldn't listen to him anymore. But anyways, Zeller out indefinitely. Uh, whew, boys, I don't know. Even if he elects for – even if the team elects to just let it heal, which would be a quicker return for Zeller, like at this point, what's – what are you rushing for? Don't do you it. Know? I mean, yeah, don't do that. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know what the better, you know, whether just letting it heals, better long term for Zeller or surgery, but like just, just do whatever you got to do to get him healthy. There's no point to rush this. Good grief. 
Then Frank Kaminsky has a sprained right ankle. It didn't look – he kind of rolled it in his, like, toe. So he didn't roll it from, like, his heel area. It looks like his toe kind of rolled over top uh, of his foot, which usually means high ankle sprain, which take longer to heal. So Frank's probably going to be out at least one more week would be my guess. And then the only other – well, and then Lamb's shin contusion, which we mentioned – momentarily and then the Hornets do call up Math Yang the rookie two-way contract from the Greensboro Swarm and my guess is he's going to have to stay up for a few weeks now uh, they're going to have to eat into that 45 days that he can be with his NBA team because I mean Zeller's going to be out a while I would guess Frank's probably going to be out two weeks if if I'm having to guess and uh they just they gotta have depth so yeah we're gonna see a lot of smaller lineups with Travion Graham at the four when I was watching it last night I was like oh man look we're getting creative here and then I was like wait no this is just out of necessity pure necessity yeah pure necessity so to this point we lose to Chicago last night we're now nine and 15 on the year guys tell me if you disagree but losing to Chicago regardless of what happens tonight against the Lakers feels like the season certainly, I would, I would not say that it's over for sure, but I think if your thinking is a realist, last night was the sign that the season is, is lost. You know, it's never over. I mean, you can certainly go on a 7 out of 10 kind of run here, but it feels like the Hornets need to seriously start considering some things that people would have thought were unthinkable to begin the season. And I think that begins with something we've talked about before. BG, I'm going to throw it to you first. Trading Kimba Walker on a one to 10 scale right now, if somebody said, how interested are you? If you're the GM, how interested are you in exploring what kind of value you can get for Kimball Walker? Where's your interest level right now? It's, it's gotta be on the, uh, the North side of five at this point, right? Like you definitely got to pick up the phone and you might not want to, I mean, Kemba is this team's far and away their best player. And you know, you're, you're under, you're trying to win now. And he's clearly the most important factor towards winning. Now you got the all-star game coming uh, next season. You, you'd like to think you could have Kemba playing in that game for you on the home court. I mean, all, maybe that stuff shouldn't factor into team building, but I think for a small market team like the Hornets, I think it does. Again, I, I'm not happy to pick up the phone, but I'm definitely picking up the phone. And I'm saying I'm somewhere with like around a six or a seven because I don't want to move Kemba, but as we've talked before on this podcast, like the deadline is in two months. It's February 8th, 3 p.m. So you got less than you got less than eight weeks if you were to trade this guy, because as soon as it as soon as that passes, the deal effectively becomes expiring. And who is going to want to give up a big return for a guy that's going to be 29 and hitting unrestricted free agency? You know, um, and especially a guy that we've seen has certainly racked up some injuries and has knee problems over the years, too. So no, I, you got to, um, and depending on, on what people are floating my direction, I, I might get more interested, uh, depending on what some of these packages are. Although I would be a little bit concerned because as we've seen with some of the superstar trades, the last year, going back to the DeMarcus cousins, one, the Paul George trade, the, the Carmelo trade, if you still want to consider him a star or whatever returns, haven't been great. Uh, no. I mean, Cleveland got a good haul for Kyrie, obviously, but uh, that's that's really the the lone example of that, and, um, and it's really because of that the, the Brooklyn pick. I mean, I'm interested, but I'm not happy. My my in- I feel dirty. You know, my interest makes me feel gross. Um, but yeah, what about what about you guys, Richie? Uh, yeah, I just throw it to you next. I mean, where do you stand? I lean probably closer to the seven or eight, uh, a little bit higher than Brian. I, I think that 
my interest level ever, ever since we started talking about two weeks ago has gone up a little bit. And especially considering our situation with all these injuries, it does seem like that Bulls loss was the nail in the coffin for this season. Things are just going downhill. And it doesn't seem like there's any hope moving forward with all these injuries. So I, I would say, yes, it, probably an eight. Very interested in trading him. And like we talked about after this season, trading him is really not going to be the best option because of the return that you're going to get or the lack of the return that you're going to get uh, next season. What, what team is going to trade for him if they know it's just going to be a rental? So I would say it's it's closer to an eight uh, than probably Brian would say. Yeah, I, I just I just think that uh, we do need to blow it up. I guess is, is the lack of a better term. Yeah, I mean, I think I would be somewhere in like between a five and a six. I think that like just from a a very ground level organizational perspective. You always have to be looking at how you're going to improve whatever it is you're doing running. In this case, we're running an NBA basketball team. That's what Michael Jordan's doing. That's what Rich Cho is trying to do. That's what the front office is trying to do. You you should always be trying to look at ways to increase your odds to be successful. It seems to me that the Hornets roster has gotten to a point where the only way to really increase your odds to be successful in the future – I just, well, let me preface it with, I don't see there is a way to increase your odds to be successful in the immediate future. Like right now, this season, I don't, I don't see a path and where the Hornets improve. And I think we've talked about plenty of that throughout this episode and past episodes. Now let's, let's shift to the long-term future of this team. These are where the tough decisions in this league come in. The only way for the Hornets to increase their odds of being successful in the future now is to increase their odds in the draft lottery. Like that's really the only way. It's not going to happen through free agency. This team is already over the cap and dangerously close to the tax. They've got to get off salary. They have got to get assets back for that, and they've got to start. They got to start acquiring draft picks and start the rebuild. I mean, it just I don't see another path. I, I just don't. And and now's the time. You can't, like Brian said earlier, you can't hang on to Kimba's deal any longer. He's, you know, if you trade him before this deadline, the other team gets a year and a half of him. You know, I I think that the pool of teams you could trade him to would be limited because I think he would. The only way it makes sense for everybody, if it's a winning place where Kimba will resign and that way the Hornets are able to gain more coming back. Um, But the other part of it is, you know, if you're sending Kimba out and we've talked about this in the past too, Dwight has to go out. Um, I'm not sure you can get off Batum, but Marvin probably has to go out or MKG, you know, maybe both of those pieces, one of those pieces. If you're sending Kimba out, my gut is you can probably get off Dwight too. Um, at least get off Marvin, something like that. So one other salary that's not ideal has to go out the door and then the you know, and then the the, the, the teardown begins. But I just think that's where we are. Um, you know, and and I would say that if if the Lakers win in Charlotte tonight, I, I think it's it's complete like you you know <laughs> clean clean the whiteboard you know dust the chalk off the board whatever you had written on there take it off like we gotta we've got to start over either way even if charlotte wins i don't think it matters but it's time it is time to start kicking the rock around so on that note that's how we feel i think we're all pretty much on the same page there guys let's do some some possible teams I'll start, and I had not thought about this. I'm just going to give you one team. My buddy mentioned this yesterday to me. It's extremely hard to pull off because they're also very close to the tax uh, and just don't have a lot of 
they don't have a lot of good salary to trade. They have a lot of minimum salary they can deal. So it'd be a hard deal to pull off. But San Antonio, I think, is an interesting fit for Kimba. They need a point guard. We would have to take back like a ton. It'd have to be like Murray, uh, Tony Parker, uh, Brandon Paul, like a collection of those young contributors that they have a lot of those guys are on minimum contracts not parker so there's where the you know a bulk of the salary coming back would come from but i think we could also get like a, a first or some kind of unprotected future first from san antonio it'd need to be down the road where maybe there's a chance they're a little worse but i think that's an interesting landing spot for kimbo do you guys have any any teams you think are are interesting I think San Antonio is, is definitely interesting. I think they're, as you saw from free agency this past summer, I think they're looking to sort of upgrade the point guard position. I and mean, they went after Chris Paul that then, you know, Houston kind of jumped them with the trade, but, um, and you know, maybe, maybe they think DeJounte Murray is the future and the future is now. So they're not, they're not in the, in the mood to, um, acquire another point guard, but the Spurs have said, Hey, we're trying to win now we have Kawhi. He's in his prime. We think we can contend with the Warriors. Boy, if you had Kemba playing with Kawhi, man, I mean, that would be unbelievable. You do have to remember, if you get a pick from San Antonio, it's going to be back end of the first round. I mean, it's going to be like 26 through 30 or you know 25 through 30 or whatever. The Spurs have no other first round picks right now. So it's not like the Spurs could flip you some other, uh, you know, some other pick that they have acquired from mm-hmm. someone else in the deal. They have, they own all their picks. They have, they have nothing else in terms of like a, you know, a debit when it comes to uh, being owed a first round pick. I would be intrigued by Denver. We threw them out the other week, but just like, it's tough to see the package coming back. I mean, I think Wilson Chandler is a veteran salary to match, but the Nuggets don't really have like the Nuggets had this, this sort of like surplus of draft picks and it's all gone. I mean, they, they spent it on the, the Plumlee deal and some of these other trades that they've made uh, the, in the last six months or so. And just like who you, they've been reluctant to part ways with Murray and with Gary Harris. I mean, if they if they would offer Gary Harris, I would say do this in a heartbeat. Yep. If it's Jamal Murray, if he's the sort of the principal of the deal, then I'm less into it because what the hell do Jamal Murray and Malik Monk look like next to one another? I, I just don't see how, how that because I'm factoring Monk into this sort of like futuristic picture of the Hornets, too. So the Nuggets make some sense, but I just don't know what what return you're going to get. That's that's really worth uh, worth your while. And, and real quick, just to like compare those two deals, I, I agree with you on Denver. Like, I think you get you're, you're going to get like a better value in terms of players right now from Denver than you would San Antonio. But if we're going to start, you know, really tossing back this back and forth this idea about trading Kimba with the San Antonio deal, which would be again like four or three or four minimum contracts. And then Tony Parker's, I think like 15 million for next year. But, but then, yeah, but then Parker's comes off and then you have these minimum deals and you just sent Kemba's 12 out the door. You just sent Dwight's 20 plus out the door. Now all of a sudden you're like significantly under the cap with still like 13 rostered players. So now you've, you've kind of built the roster from a financial standpoint to a place where you can be a salary dumping ground for other teams. And that is the way to acquire, you know, more assets. So, you know, if that, let's just pretend like that San Antonio deal happened, Charlotte made the trade. They did get that future first that, like you said, it's going to be 25 to 30. Think about it more in terms of like financially the year after, you know, next summer, the year after next summer, now all of a sudden we're in a mode to take bad contracts on from other teams, you know, lose a lot of games. So, you know, increase our own chances of being a high lottery team, but also by accepting those bad salary dumping deals from other teams, 
taking assets from them as well. And now we're starting to acquire things that mean something and build for our future. So, you know, what, what we get back from Kimba shouldn't necessarily be thought in a way of well, what kind of player are we going to be able to plug in right now from that trade? It should be thought of, well, financially, how much flexibility are we building in for ourselves moving forward? Because if we're trading him again, we have to tear it all down. Like it's not just a, it's not a mini reset. This is a right. full reset we're talking about. And I haven't given much thought onto teams that we 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 would trade Kim before. And I think the biggest issue comes, and you guys kind of mentioned it, is a, is a team that team that we would want to trade him with is going to be a team that is contending. But that contending team, unless they have assets, pick assets elsewhere, their their pick is not going to be a high one. And another issue is our to build with a small market team, we have to draft well, and we haven't done that. So yeah. that's another issue you got to look into is is the GM or the the front office. So if we're going to tear this thing down and rebuild through the draft, uh, because you can't do it through free agency with the small market, we've got to get better at drafting. So I think that also yeah. plays a role. So if we're going to reset and get these young players or these draft picks, we got to get better at scouting and drafting as well. So uh, it, it could be all for naught is what I'm saying. The yeah, look out, look out on the court last night and think of the like what guys are contributing for the Hornets on rookie contracts that are first round picks. Last night it was only Malik Monk, that's it. And the only guys currently on this roster that are still first round picks on their rookie deals is Frank Kaminsky, who, if anything, has regressed over the last two years, and Malik Monk, who can't get any freaking minutes unless two other guys, at least two other guys, are hurt. And, you know, Vonley's gone. He was the the cost you used to get the pick to get the basically the the Nick Batum. And then you sign him to the huge contract the year after that, $120 million. You trade uh, the 2016 pick or the, the rights to uh, Richardson from Syracuse. So you can get a rear rental of Bellinelli. And like, that's it. Like that's those are and you have no surplus picks. And that's it. Like you're this team is getting so little from guys that it has on rookie contracts. It's astounding. And yeah, Richie, yeah. you bring up a great point. Like I was watching the Hornets game last night with a buddy of mine. that's a big Hornets fan too. And he was like, he was, re- he's reluctant to go the, the, this blow up route with Kemba. Cause he's like, I don't trust this team through the draft. Now I don't think that's a reason to not do it. it I, I think that's, that's faulty logic basically to say they're two different a, issues, right? You know, exactly, exactly. And just because you can't predict the future two to three years from now doesn't mean you shouldn't do the thing that gives you the best chance of being a good team in the future, which would be the going this route, essentially, of, of right, blowing right. it up. I just I just want to say one more thing real quick, like because, Richie, you brought it up here. If they do decide to press reset, like the full reset, then what that says is that Rich Cho is, is going to keep his job into the future because you're not going to Jordan or for that matter, no owner is going to let his general manager, you trade the, the, one of the best players in franchise history and tear it down and then get rid of him. Or at least I don't think this would happen. Then get rid of him that summer and then hire a new GM uh, to come in and reconstruct it. Right? Like those are conflict. Those feel like there's, there's feel like they can't exist together. So if he says, Richo, you have permission to tear this thing down, trade Kemba, start over, then that tells me he's also getting permission to build it back. You know, does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. And by the way, I wouldn't mind. I mean, more rich show is totally like, I, I would, I don't think there's any need. I mean, I would, I have no issue with rich show being a part of the long-term picture in Charlotte. I, mean, I don't know if that's what's going to happen. But I think I'll, that's where he could excel. Like that, yeah. that that's actually his brightest moments of a GM in Charlotte have come from, you know, 
from a very, you know, when we were actually building this roster we have now or, or the roster we had, I would say like two seasons ago when that was a serious contending yeah. team, you know, they came from building that roster on a team that from a team that was, that was awful. So like, I actually trust Rich Cho a lot more in a rebuild scenario than I do uh, trying to take a mediocre team into a contending team. But he, did uh, he that hasn't been trades, great. Though. He did that through trades, right? I mean, Courtney Lee, Batum. Yeah. 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 I mean, yes, he did do do that through trades, but I don't know. I, I, yeah. I'd have to go back and look at all right. of the acquisitions he made. Yeah. Transaction. But, but it came from a team that, well, I mean, Courtney Lee was one example that was in the mid season, but you know, some of those free agent signings, I guess when the team was really, really struggling to get them from that 20 win, 25 win scenario to the 40 win scenario to the mid 40 scenario. And then it peaked. And now, now, you know, now there's no way North for us now. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, some of the trades and, and transactions we have made since that 48 win team. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking about this last night too. You know, the, the, the Hornets really got, they, they had a little bit of bad luck in 2016 and just go with me on this for a second. So that team wins 48 games. They make the playoffs. They're, they're tied for like the third best record because of the tie break. They get this, they get the six seed. They take the heat, the seven games in the first round. They could have, they could have won the series easily. Um, so that was a big summer in the history of the NBA, right? That's the cap spike summer. That's when the cap jumps 20, whatever million dollars without precedent. And it just so happens that that summer, these are like, think of all the guys that came off the books that summer, Nick Batum, Marvin Williams, Al Jefferson, Jeremy Lin, Jeremy Lamb. And they were in win now mode because this team is going to the playoffs for just, I mean, that was what the, the third time the team's gone to the playoffs since they, since they've come back the franchise has come back from new Orleans First time they've done it in Hornet uniforms. And I just think there was this desperate need Mm -hmm. to keep it together, build from the middle out, have this great culture. And I was, pardon me, I was there for it. But it basically meant that they couldn't keep all the guys that they wanted to. And that's why they lost guys like Lynn and Lamb. And I know Lynn had issues. He wanted to be a, a starter. And that's why he went to Brooklyn. And unfortunately, things have not gone great for Jeremy in Brooklyn as far as his health goes. But basically, like, they had to overpay to keep a guy like Marvin Williams has a career year that season. Nick Batum has a career year that season. And all of a sudden you got to pay almost $200 million just to bring those two guys back, you know? And, and that's a little bit, again, I'm not, it's not an excuse. Um, and and I think there's the laundry list is way too long for missteps that the, the front office and management has had basically since the Kemba Walker extension. I mean, name me, a great move this team has made and I'll, I'll hand you a $10 bill and it has they're they're far and few between, but really that summer, I mean, they just, it, the cap jumped and it jumped at a really an unfortunate time when the Hornets had a lot of these key rotation players coming off the books. You also got to remember that's when Michael Kidd Gilchrist, his extension kicks in the year after that too. So when they agree to his extension in the fall of 2015, they know the cap's going to spike. So they're okay to give, Mike, what a fifty? What, how, what's his deal? It's like fifty some million dollars. It was four years, fifty-two million, right? Something like that. And just like, yep. I don't think MKG's getting that money on the open market now. You know, the the Thunder re-signed Andre Roberson, who's probably the sort of like closest player in the league to him, to a three-year, thirty million dollar contract. Twelve months later, and it's just like they basically overspent. Even though you could say Marvin and Batum could have taken more money. They basically paid a lot. They just paid a lot of money 
And that's why that's why they're taxed out. Like Kemba's the sixth most expensive player on this roster. They have six guys making between twelve million and twelve million and twenty four million dollars this season for a mm-hmm. team that has a thirty one percent chance of making the playoffs. Now, I mean, it's just it's not. They got a little unlucky, but mm-hmm. they've just not done a great job balancing these books either. I think partially because they were trying so desperately to keep the good feeling going from that 2015-2016 team. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. They wanted to keep it going. There was really no other path that was ever considered seriously on the table, it doesn't seem like. And, you know, that carries into the conversation right now, too, BG, because, you know, somebody said it earlier. The All-Star Games in Charlotte next year, do we want to have a team that has been completely torn down? It kind of seems to defeat the purpose and without an All-Star game. I mean, from a marketing standpoint, hell no, you don't want that, you know? So, but is that the most important voice at the table? That is the crossroads we are, you know, the Hornets are at. That's where we are. And both sides need to be explored. I understand both arguments. I'm not telling you one thing's better than the other, but what I think all of us are urging people to understand is if you want, if you want this team to be taking meaningful steps, meaningful, positive, thoughtful, (laughs) strategic steps towards their future, then they need to seriously consider tearing this thing down. And the other factors like the all-star game and whatever else have you are just going to have to fall in place. All right. That's the way it is. Um, not everything is going to line up in this perfect timeline, you know, and, and, and be icing on the cake for this team because the Hornets names back. We have the Jordan brand, like all this stuff is great, but like, that's, that's so separate for, than team building. And that's what we're talking about. And the Hornets have got to do better. Michael Jordan has got to do a better job of separating those two things. He has to, if he can't, then just sell the team, <laughs> which he yeah. won't do. But like, I mean, that's what it is. Like it, it kind of is that simple in ways. Team building, marketing, PR, business are not the same things. Mm-hmm. They live under the same umbrella, but they're not the same things. And they should not be viewed in the same light. And the Hornets have not been able to, they've not been able to separate those things uh, for the most part mm-hmm. during Michael Jordan's tenure. One of the other teams just kind of swinging it back to uh, potential you know, trade spots for Kemba. And look, all that business stuff is interconnected. I just think we, we all agree about which voice should have the largest seat at the table, which is how do you build a title contending team and, you know, a team that's going to win 50 plus games and be top 10 in offense and defense. And, you know, that should be the ultimate goal as far as this goes. And right now it just doesn't seem like that. It, if you if you sit on Kemba, if you ride this thing out until they're you're mathematically mathematically eliminated from the playoffs this year, you're just you're ignoring that very very pressing need, and it's going to get much harder um, as soon as the deadline passes this year. But what do you guys think of the New York Knicks as a potential trading spot for Kemba Walker? So they're obviously like they're they're a game out of the playoffs right now. Um, their point guard situation is a disaster. Like Jared Jack's been like a revelation for them. Is, it, is, is Frank included in this deal? Nielakina uh, or Kaminsky? I don't know. No, no, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Nielakina. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know who's coming. I don't know. I haven't even thought about who would be coming back. But they're kind of a pseudo playoff team. And the only thing would be you'd get a, you might get a good pick out of them, like a potential lottery pick. And he's from – I mean the guy's from New York City. The, the Knicks could think like, hey, we have an actual shot of – and maybe they're just saying, hey, we're going to finally take our time. Porzingis is just, you know, 21, 22 years old. We're just going to take our time. We're going to do this slowly. We're, we're finally rid of Phil Jackson. We're going we're gonna to go slowly, organically. We're going to build around Nilakina 
and uh, Porzingis because we think Porzingis is going to rule the world in four or five years or whatever. But if they're if they're desperate to win to win now, you get a, and you get to bring home a guy that's from the Bronx and has had has played some memorable moments in Madison Square Garden, including the 2011 Big East tournament when he went bonkers. Like they're interesting, you know, and they don't they 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 currently as constituted they don't owe anybody any first round picks for the first time in what seems like forever. So yeah, I think I think the Knicks are the Knicks are interesting too, but I haven't really thought about who's coming in return basically for Kemba. Yeah, I I think it's super interesting, BG. I, I think that they would do that deal in <laughs> no pun intended a New York minute, yeah. and I, I would be happy to get Frank uh, Nielakina back here in Charlotte. Uh, a good swap. You get a great cheap contract there. You get uh, somebody to put next to Monk. You know, there, there's some, there's a glimmer of hope there. You know, I, I think that the Hornets would be willing to take on like Ennis Cantor. Or, I mean, it, you know, here's the deal. If Kim was going out again, somebody's got to be willing to take Dwight or like Marvin. You got to take one. I don't think the Hornets are getting off the tomb. I, I just don't. Maybe I'm wrong. I just don't think they're getting off him. But you got to be able to take one of those two pieces. So what does that look like in the return for Charlotte? But I think like an Ennis Cantor, I'm not sure how long is left on his contract. There might be a lot left, but anyways, like an Ennis Cantor and a, and a Frank. Cantor is a player option for 18.6 next season. So, Oh, well, so it's the same as Dwight. I mean, it's effectively an expiring. I mean, he's going to, he's obviously picking that up. Um, So, you know, him, Neil Kina for, for Kimba and, and Dwight, and then maybe you, maybe you get a first out of that too. Like, okay, I think that's talking turkey. Do you have any thoughts, uh, Richie? Would you like to see Frank Nealakina uh, potentially in a Hornets uniform? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's a fine deal. I and I know that New York, there's a, an allure there for Kimba to go there. I, I would be fine with Frank Nealakina coming our way. Uh, I know that he's a very defensive minded uh, point guard, and we've played against him, and I th- thought he did a good job on the defensive end. Play- yeah, I mean, I think I think that's fine. I guess I, we would definitely need to get a pick. I think I think if we didn't get a pick, I wouldn't be really interested in it. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, and um, should also mention too, like, yeah, I don't think there's any way in hell they're getting off that Batum deal. Um, he's owed seventy-seven million dollars after this season, <laughs> including a twenty-seven million dollar player option three years from now when he's turning thirty-two or thirty-three or whatever. So, not enough um, for that. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's amazing. It is that deal is, and you know, the, the most amazing part about it is that we are literally just a little over a year removed from this being like one of the most applauded deals. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's the craziest part about it. How quick, like how fickle this league can be, and how quickly things can change is is mesmerizing at times. But uh, but yeah, I, I think the Hornets are stuck with Batum. And again, like if they're able to slowly take Kimba, Dwight. Marvin or, or MKG for Marvin, whatever. If they, they take like three of those salaries off the books, like all of a sudden Batum's salary actually has a little bit of value because it makes up a chunk of your salary cap that you have to have anyways. Um, you know, and, and then you plug in all these minimum deals around it and the Hornets will still be way under the cap. So I'm not so sure like the Batum contract, if the reconstruction ends up happening for Charlotte, that it actually even looks that bad because it'll kind of be in, in, insignificant with the overall timeline of the rebuild. All right. Well, that was a lot. Anything else we left out? Let's put a bow on this thing. No, I think that's, I think we're good. Just to be said, the Hornets have currently including options as uh, you guys have up on queen city hoops, $116 million guaranteed towards next season. Mm -hmm. Um, The tax line is being projected at 123 million. 
Um, so they're, 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 they're kind of running pretty close to it already. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, they're gonna have to make some tough choices here in the next few weeks. No doubt. And, uh, you know, whether or not Kimba's going out the door, it, it does seem likely that the Hornets will be a seller in one fashion or another before the trade deadline. What'd you say BG? Is it February 8th? It's earlier this year, right? Yeah. It's earlier this year. They moved it up. You know, it's before the all-star break, right? It's like a, it's like a week before the all-star break. Oh man. So all the GMs can't go to all-star weekend and tamper their asses off and <laughs> get some great deal. No, hey, come on, man. They never have. Everything's above. Everything's above board in the NBA. Yeah, no one, no one tampers. What am I talking about? <laughs> no. Anyways, well, look, it was fun. Uh, appreciate all of our listeners once again. You guys make this possible. Make sure you're interacting with us. You know, on Twitter, check out QueenCityHoops.com. Um, share us with other people. Tell your friends. Um, you know, it's a frustrating days for the Hornets, but we're not going to quit on them. We're going to keep talking no matter what roster we have, no matter what record we have, we're going to be here every week covering the team, uh, and digging deep for you guys. So appreciate the listens. Make sure that you're checking out almightyballer.com for other NBA content. We are a proud member of the almighty baller radio network. And don't forget about sports channel eight. It's where we got BG from the great Brian guy singer from sports channel eight. So check them out sports channel eight.com. They got you covered everything sports in North Carolina, especially ACC basketball was getting ready to kick off for me. That's Richie. That's BG. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>